0: To see that weird Martian structure suddenly thrusting itself up out of the sea would have had the most hardened topers in the country screaming to climb aboard the water wagon. The chimneys, I knew, were massive, tubular metal legs of almost unbelievable strength, each one capable of supporting a weight of several hundred tons. And on this rig I could count no less than fourteen of those legs, seven on each side, and there must have been a stretch of four hundred feet between the outer ones at the ends and the astonishing thing was that this huge platform was mobile it had been towed there with the platform deep sunk in the sea and the legs thrusting high up almost to the level of the top of the derrick arrived at the right spot those legs had dropped right down to the floor of the sea and then the whole huge platform and derrick maybe four or five thousand tons in all, and powered by huge engines, had risen dripping from the sea till it was safe beyond the reach of even the highest of the hurricane-lashed waves of the Gulf of Mexico. All this I had known, but knowing and seeing weren't the same things at all. A hand touched my arm and I jumped. I had quite forgotten where I was. "'What do you think of him, Mr Talbot?' It was the skipper.' You like, eh? Yes, it's nice. How much did this little toy cost? Any idea? Four million dollars, Zyemis shrugged. Maybe four and a half. A fair investment, I conceded. Four million dollars. Eight, Zyemis corrected. A man cannot just come and start drilling Mr. Talbot first. He buy the land under the sea. Five thousand acres, three million dollars. Then to drill a well, just one well, maybe two miles deep, it cost perhaps three quarters of a million, if he's lucky. Eight million dollars. And not an investment either, a gamble. Geologists could be wrong. They were more often wrong than right. General Blair Ruthven. A man with eight million dollars to throw away. What colossal prize could a man like that, with a reputation like his, be working for, if he was prepared, as he so obviously was prepared, to step outside the law? There was only one way of finding out. I shivered and turned to Zymus. You can get in close. Real close, I mean. All the way he pointed to the near side of the vast structure. "'You have seen the ship tied up alongside.' I hadn't, but I could see her now, a lean, dark shape maybe 250 feet long, completely dwarfed by the massive rig, the tips of her masts reaching no more than halfway up to the platform deck of the oil rig. I looked back at Zaimis. "'Is that going to queer our pitch, John?' "'Get in our way, you mean, now. "'We make a wide curve and approach from the south.' He touched the rudder, and the Matapan swung away to port, heading to bypass the X-13 to the south. To have gone to the north, the right, would have brought the Matapan under the glare of the arc and floodlights that illuminated the big working platform around the derrick. Even at a mile, we could clearly see men moving around the derrick, and the subdued hum of powerful machinery, like that of diesel compressors, came at us clearly over the darkened waters. So much, at least, was in our favour. It had not occurred to me that work on those mobile rigs would go on twenty four hours a day, but at least the clamour of their operations would drown out the throaty whisper of the Matapan's engines. The boat had begun to corkscrew violently. We were quartering to the southwest. Taking that long, deepening swell on our starboard bow, and water was beginning to break over the sides of the boat. And I was getting wet. I crouched under a tarpaulin near the rudder, lit a last cigarette under cover, and looked at the skipper. That ship out there, John, what chances of it moving away? I don't know. Not much, I think. It is a supply and power ship it brings out food and drink and mud for. The-